but where are you really from? The podcast comes to my podcast, Bono Stuff. Quite a collaboration. Uh, this is the first and only so far episode where I've had two guests on, which was a pleasure to have Jesse and Angela on. Uh, we touch on identity and race and some very interesting concepts, a little different than the norm of health and fitness stuff. We do go down that rabbit hole as well, a little. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation as always. And if you guys got something out of it, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Leave a comment, leave a five-star review if you can. Really helps us grow. And if you wanna jump into the conversation, would love to hear your thoughts. I uh, would really appreciate you guys helping out and jumping in and becoming part of the conversation. Excited to hear what you think of the episode. Talk to you soon. Enjoy. Get 1% better. But where are you really from? All right. Here we are, guys. We are live. Bono stuff. That's me. I'm Bo with Jesse and Angela Lynn, not related that we know of. Um, and they are from where, but where are you from? podcast uh that they have started and uh i, I was literally uh a few days ago i was trying to download a few episodes and i went down to w because i thought it was where are you from but it's but but where are you from just to but be clear where are you really yes. where are you from? really from <laughs> yes. that's right and uh tell us real quick the origins of of that name and and uh, the meaning behind all that well, I think it's a triggering phrase for most Asian American people. And I think it's valid for people outside the Asian community as well. Anyone who doesn't look traditionally white or American on the outside has gotten that question in some way or fashion. But where are you from? No, really, where are you really from? What are you? Those are mm -hmm. variations that we've gotten. And because our podcast is all about Asian American identity and kind of dissecting what that really means for us, we thought it would be fun to play into this very easy to latch on to classic <laughs> phrase that we always get asked. Yeah, you're like, I'm from New York. No, no, but where are you really from? That's, yeah. Yes, that's, that's, that's it. There. Yeah. But I think our guests have taken it and also transformed it in a way where it's like you can answer it how you want to. A lot of the times you're put on the spot and you're like, uh, 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 <laughs> and you really want to like give the person a clap back or say something witty or come up with something. And I think asking our guests, they've been able to come up with some of those more funnier things or spin the question in a way that's a little bit more positive to their own self than than you would experience in real life yeah and and again for anyone listening now i definitely encourage you to go check out download a few of their episodes uh if you can and uh one of uh, the the most recent episode you guys did with 5 a.m ramen uh i wanted to to say this real quick was funny uh you you met uh, angela you met him when he was doing ramen tours yeah. right and uh it's funny because i used to do pizza tours of brooklyn Oh, and uh, nice. <laughs> and so uh, that that was one of my favorite things. And I would just like start up at the Brooklyn Bridge, and then we'd go all over Brooklyn specifically. That you know, like the real the real New York, as I like to call it. And uh, literally, like, did you finish your pie? Okay, we're going to the next place to have like a chicken sandwich or or more pizza or whatever. So anyway, um, oh, how does that jive with your? fitness life though because <laughs> that's I why i have to work out crossfit yeah. life yeah. yeah well that's that's yeah i love food i i consider you know i don't like using the term foodie but uh yeah i mean i would i would probably be a men's health you know cover model if i didn't love food so much um and i but i just i just don't care i just don't care uh, about a six pack or whatever i i joke about this being my power belly um but it, it is something as i grow older like yeah i i I've, I've been like, all right, I'm going to do, I got COVID recently and, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I know dairy is something that doesn't help my health. Um, despite how much I love pizza, but the other good thing is leaving New York. Uh, there's not very good pizza, um, nope. anywhere <laughs> outside of that. So, you know, this it is, is that, it, yeah, it, it's continuing to have those conversations and experimentation. Yeah. When I was in New York, it was definitely the good thing again about living in New York, as you can attest. And Jesse, did you ever live in New York? I'm living here now. Oh, there you yeah. go. There you go. How long you been there now? Too long to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But what I was going to say is that the good thing uh, that I, I can say attest to, especially with my job and going to people's houses and the fitness kind of and healthcare space is I was I was probably taking 20,000 steps a day easily, you know, between mm -hmm. subways and just going from wherever to wherever. And I had a bike and riding your bicycle around New York City. If you, there's whatever that Joseph Gordon Levitt movie, I think they're all about. Uh, I don't even. Days of summer. No, no, where he's a the bike one where messenger. He was a bike messenger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he's riding around, and I, I, I didn't also, watch it, but yeah, I never saw it. I, I but I got the premise like pretty. I didn't. I don't think we needed to watch. It wasn't exactly uh, fast or furious, but anyway. Um, but I, I appreciate you guys do have some good uh, pop references in, in your pod, so I feel like I can do a little bit more of that. I try to <laughs> minimize it because I can geek out on a lot of that stuff in the food. But yeah, to answer your question, Angela, uh, and I don't, I like that you're, you know, you guys are the natural podcast host turning it around on me. Um, <laughs> um, is yeah, I mean the, the the pizza tours was definitely like we got to earn this. Also, is like yeah, we're gonna do an hour long, you know, pretty intense session and earn our you know twenty thousand calories. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, but it, it really is about the experience and, and also like the flavors and, and just understanding that like why, and again, it's amazing to me traveling so much uh, around the world and, and America even is, is people not understanding just how good and how different like New York pizza is compared to what they're used to. And it's just like it's, it's just such a different level. And I'm sure I don't know if you can speak that way about different uh asian food or or ramen since you had your ramen guy on um <laughs> and from what i understand again that's a pretty big some big gradients in like you know again you mentioned the instant ramen and there was the michelin level <laughs> instant ramen to give you guys a shout out and what what was the code again if people wanted to order that oh really from five the number five <laughs> um at instant ramen jp there you go um basically frank is uh he lives in japan he lives in tokyo he's a ramen expert and he was giving ramen tours before p the pandemic but now obviously things have changed and so he's doing these like curated premium instant ramen ships from tokyo and one of those shops is the michelin star restaurant which is pretty crazy to think yeah. that ramen could be classified as something that would be given a michelin star yeah i mean any it, it really if, i love i love michelin stars i don't know how many michelin uh restaurants i've eaten at in my life but it's a decent amount and again being in new york city there's a lot and uh there was one in uh i think uh was it williamsburg no it was in like greenpoint and it was it was the cheapest michelin star i think in the world or something like that or at least in new york i forgot the name of it. it was like a mexican place though uh but yeah there, there's some really cool stuff and there's of course uh tim ho Wan, uh is michelin star in hong kong i think but there is one in uh downtown manhattan that was that was part of my like manhattan food tour uh <laughs> that I, I used to take people on there so i had that i we go to milk bar Tim Ho Wan for the uh, roast pork buns. And anyway, we're going down a, a fun food path. And I Those are very that. different flavors, milk yes. bar and Tim Ho Wan. <laughs> well, the, the Tim Ho, well, Tim Ho Wan, I would just do the, um, to skip the line, because usually there was long lines. So we would just go to the little bar there and you could do, you get three per order of the roast pork buns. And they're like little donuts with meat in there. So different flavors, but at the same time, it's a, it was just that nice like, distinction of, of, oh, okay. And then, yeah, Milk Bar is just like super sweet, unique stuff. But anyway, yeah. all right. So what else can we, can you guys tell us about your pod? Like, have you, have you gotten some really good lessons out of it? Again, I don't, I don't know if we want to get really serious here, if, if you're up for it around again, uh, you know, there's been the stuff recently, uh, anti-Asian kind of culture or hate or, or whatever we want to call it. And, and yeah, uh, again, you touched on some of that stuff in a few different episodes and I'd love to hear some of your takeaways and especially exploring those deeper topics, if you're willing to go there. <laughs> well, I guess I can start on a surface level. I mean, just doing a podcast, you learn so many things about how easy or difficult it is to do a podcast. I think when we started this process process and this project in general in my head i was thinking of like a professionally produced podcast where you have like those mics that are hanging over your head and i was like how are we gonna do this like who I, yeah i i did that i did that oh. you're, you're good I'm okay just, i was I'm, like I'm trying to highlight you man okay i was like how are we gonna do this like how much time is it gonna take and it turns out once we research it, it it's not that intensive at all oops yeah, that's why there's like over a million podcasts in 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 rotation 
I believe, especially yeah. after, as lockdown happened, people were like, okay, I'll make a podcast, which I, 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 is kind of, you know, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in that boat as well. As I started mine uh, last fall, I think. I, I don't know if we were in full. Yeah, we were in full lockdown. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it, it is it is easy and also, and I, I want to give you guys credit too, You, uh, as somebody who's done, I think this is my 62nd episode or something like that, um, you guys are way ahead of me. On, on production and and uh, and you know cut it, cutting in I don't know love to maybe off offline <laughs> here hear how you guys do some of that stuff and I love that you have the like uh, have a coffee with me thing of like support our podcast that way and you guys have it nice and crisp and tight um, and both of you have really good I'll also say my my subjective or whatever is is uh, yeah you have really good awesome like voices that play off each other really well and and yeah Angela I know I know Angela from coaching her in CrossFit so I would uh you know it's hard to to be like oh like she's gonna have a podcast um <laughs> but yeah totally uh, again just listening to it very you have a great you both have great uh, like podcast voice I still don't know that I'm I qualify as that and I'm gonna ever become a Joe Rogan but that's fine I'm fine with that I enjoy these conversations well hey and my, and my dog does not well, she'll, he or she will get around to she, liking it. <laughs> she, she's asleep she, over here for those listening in the back. Well, going back to the production value and just the starting in the pandemic, we also started in the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, but we started, I guess, like right in the pandemic. I think we got bored pretty quickly and I was like, Hey, I've always thought about doing a podcast, but never had time, never found the subject, um, didn't have the kind of like energy to commit to it, but we all got very bored in the pandemic right away. And so I was like, all right, this seems like a productive hobby to pick mm -hmm. up. And Jesse was someone I was able to convince to join me on this adventure. Um, no convincing needed, really. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm also really bored. Let's do this. Yeah, really. Um, so, yeah, I think we've learned a lot since then because it really came from, like, just for shits and giggles was, like, how we started this. And then with every conversation we've had with just each other or with guests, it's been like something new every time, right? And you mm -hmm. talked about how everyone and their mom started a podcast during the pandemic. And um, it you can see it as a bad thing of like, oh, well, now there's so much competition or whatever. But at least in our space, um, because our, our whole thing is about Asian American identity, I think it's been an encouraging to see that there are a lot of other podcasts about identity and about the Asian community because a recurring theme that we talk about pretty frequently is like lack of representation of our people. Um, and you asked about the anti-Asian violence. I think it's tied into that because Asian people, um, one of the things we struggle with the most is this kind of like invisibility of our people. Like in the grand scheme of like race conversations, right? Asian people are often kind of like forgotten because we have this like white adjacency or whatever let's not get into the whole rabbit hole but <laughs> because we are doing this podcast ourselves and we're reaching out to a lot of people in the community and giving them voices I think what's been really encouraging is seeing that like if we're not seeing the mass representation and voice that we want to see in like mainstream Hollywood, TV, whatever, we're going to step up and be that voice ourselves. Um, so that's been really cool is to be able to be this little like little step in that process and also meet a bunch of cool people along the way that are also kind of like trying to go towards that same path through whatever craft that they're um, focused on. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I will ask the very, I guess, stereotypical question is, is how do you guys feel about Aquafina's from Queens and uh, Parasite winning? And, you know, can we, is there like, that doesn't affect me or, or do you connect to that? And like, okay, and Crazy Rich Asians, like all this, <laughs> this stuff kind of coming to the forefront, I guess, a little bit. Do you feel like there is a little bit more representation coming around or, or uh is it is it like you'd rather not see that? I don't. I'm just curious your take on some of that. No, I mean we're all for more Asians in mm -hmm. mass media, um, and yeah, it, I think most people feel a sense of pride whenever they see someone who looks more like us on screen because 
otherwise just no one looks like us so it's like hey we'll we'll take a little bit of anything at this point is mm. is our bar but i think as more quality um content is getting out there our bar is kind of increasing of like okay it's not enough just to mm. have us exist like we need to be represented as like multi-dimensional complex humans that we actually are in real life right so i think it's really encouraging to see this stuff but at the same time and i don't want to get too serious but like <laughs> you know the parasite thing is like everyone was stoked when they mm. won best picture right it was like broke norms all around that a foreign film could win that and then shortly after is when the pandemic started and then everyone started blaming everyone who looked asian for you know world going to shit. so right. it's just it's unfortunate that there's kind of like simultaneously like a rise in our people in in like mainstream culture and then in real life in a day-to-day -day interaction it's kind of like the opposite and going downhill I, I i do want to ask like a journalistic if i can kind of poke the bear question if i may of do you associate with again like because you, you're both taiwanese yes mm -hmm. um and so do you take pride in again like you said people who look like us again it's a korean film uh if there's again like all these different aspects of asia and, and john oliver did a a whole thing. I don't know if you saw his episode recently on uh, just uh, this topic exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. What is Asian American? How do you even define that? Um, or just Asian? Uh, and, and so, do you guys take pride in, like you said, like it sounds like you do? Uh, but yeah, is there any distinctions of Japanese versus Korean versus uh, you know, or is it just yeah, we're we're all in this kind of together of, of however you want to define it? I mean, for me, I take pride in the fact that it's good work. And the fact that it's good work from, you know, originating from Asian countries is just bonus points. But the idea of representation is not to say, like, we want to see, as Angela mentioned, Asian people everywhere, like, overrepresented over or thrown into a piece just for the purpose of having an Asian person there. We, like, the point is still to look and experience and watch and engage with great pieces of art or film or music or whatever and the fact that it is from an asian person just makes it a little bit more special because you know that they're coming from some of them are coming from a shared background that you also understand it's sure. kind of like you know if your hometown buddy made it real big <laughs> at least to me i'm like oh, yay like i'm so happy for you you know like I've known you, I've seen you, now you've made it. Cool, yeah, no, I totally get that. Side note, question reminded me is, Andrew Yang, yay or nay, because he's kind of <laughs> leaning into a lot of the negative Asian stereotypes, so since we're on that topic, and since he's running for New York City mayor, and uh, Jesse, you're in New York, and Angela, you are, you're in San Fran now? Right. Uh, I'm a little bit nomadic <laughs> currently. Okay. I'm okay. Right now in Palm Springs. Oh. But I okay. Was in San Francisco. Okay. Yet. But Andrew Yang, yeah, you're an A. Are we? Are we? Just I'll punt it to you since you're closer to. Um, those we did rank choice voting. Yes. I which, did rank. Which he was a big fan of. Uh, and again, like yes. when he was running for president, I'll just say real quick, I was like, I, I, I actually of all the candidates, I was like, oh, this guy's talking about a lot of very cool stuff. So I, I definitely became a fan of his in that regard. But yeah, rank choice voting. Um, so yeah, you you were, he was somewhere in that mix. I did rank him, but I did not rank him. I ranked him basically last. I think it's hmm. been really hard because each of the candidates at the get go of their candidacies look really promising, and then like a bunch of them kind of halfway through got hit with a bunch of scandals that were hmm. really like it calls into question like the character of the person and like right. the values that they stand for. So for example, one of the front runners. <clears throat> Dana Morales, she's like a nonprofit um, executive, and she was saying all these things about like social justice and like worker rights organization. And in the meantime, her campaign was basically trying to suppress the campaign workers from unionizing. Mm. So it was kind of just like, you know, you can talk the talk, but that's, you know, walk the walk. So that mm. those are things that like really hit some of those like leading candidates. And Andrew Yang, I think the same thing, like he started off really strong. People were like, we really like your viewpoints. And then he just kept like putting his foot in his mouth, like with all these gaffes and people, it just like cr cracked his image pretty quickly. Yeah. And people yeah. realized like, oh, you're not like, you're not really invested in being the mayor. Right, right.
right. Yeah, he said some fun, funky stuff for sure. Uh, it was it was almost comical, but uh, yeah. And then I just I also I don't remember which two candidates, but there were like fifteen candidates or something. But two of them were like were former former housing related secretary, and they asked them like, what's the median income or median cost of a house in Brooklyn? Sean Donovan. He didn't know. There yeah. was yeah, there was and there was another one that uh, I think one was a black guy, one was a white guy, and and yeah, one of them said like ninety thousand. And the other one said, I don't know, between 100 and 200,000. And the real answer, oh. you, you guys know the answer? Eric Adams, the median house price in Brooklyn? Uh, in Brooklyn, yeah. That's like probably like a million dollars. 900,000, yeah. A million dollars, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. But for two mayoral candidates to answer so far off was, was definitely like, it's the, it's the old, like, yes, the billionaire question, like, how much is a, is, is a gallon of milk kind of thing? And anyway, <laughs> and uh, yeah, anyway. Um, it's yeah. just a banana, Michael. How much could it be worth? Ten dollars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys wanted to ask me, and, and we can change the topic a little bit uh, of where I'm actually from. Uh, and and uh, I don't know who wrote the actual answer in our little pre whatever, but one one of you did. Um, and so I'll I'll run with that and and tell you where I am really from. As a white guy, nobody really cares where I'm really from. Poor poor me, poor straight white male. Um, but I actually was a political refugee from the communist regime in Mother Russia in 1986. Um, so yeah, I was three years old. We left Moscow, Russia. Uh, and there was actually a documentary, if anyone's interested, called Stateless that kind of describes that time period and that experience of people fleeing and having to escape uh, communist Russia. Uh, and so it was, it was pretty, it was, uh, watching the documentary, like having been three years old when it happened, was pretty interesting. Basically they, you know, they, they, they take all your money and they kind of kick you out. And uh, then you go to, I think, uh, I actually forgot which country they took us to. And then we took a train, they got a train. And then uh, I think they were like, do you want to go to Israel? Or do you want to go to America? And we chose America. Uh, and then so we had to go to Italy for a few weeks or months. Uh, so we were in Rome, which I do have some memories of as a three-year-old, uh, the Colosseum and getting lost there. And then um, took a plane to Pan Am, uh, Pan Am airplane to JFK. I remember that. And I used to tell people, because to your point about uh, identity and you know, uh, a race and ethnicity and all that stuff, I, I was never happy with being Russian. Uh, so there, there is some interesting tie-ins. Mm. I mean, to, to uh, differently, I'm, I'm almost xenophobic about, um, <laughs> and because the, when I got to America, I wanted to fit in uh, mm. in the early '90s, and there was the Cold War going on, and the Russians were the like stereotypical movie villain, whether it was you know, uh, or the generic Soviet uh, whatever, and like uh, all these different movies, and I was like, oh, I, I don't think I want to be that um, or associated with that. So there was a little bit of. of Fun times of being like I'm. I was born on a. I'm, I'm Panamanian because I came over on a Pan Am airplane. Or, <laughs> or telling people I was like, oh, my family traveled a lot, so I was like, born in Australia or just random stuff because I was just like, I don't want to be Russian. Um, yeah. And and also I'll say again, growing up in Brooklyn in that uh, environment, I don't know how many Russian folks you guys know, but there is a lot of racism in that. Uh, you know. So I was a lot, around a lot of folks, and I was just like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't share these values." Because again, I, I, you know, I used to say I was raised on American television, and and uh, you know, Full House and Family Matters and and whatever. And and I was like, "Yeah, when you're all y'all are talking and calling black people monkeys uh, and thinking that it's cool, I'm like, I'm not, 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 not down with that." So yeah, um, and again, growing up in Brooklyn, uh, definitely, and then and then being one of the only white guys on a football team. Um, you know, to our our last question there in terms of Asia, the last question I'll, I'll tee up is like Asians in fitness, but I actually did, and I don't mean to totally dominate the the conversation. I want to hear from you guys, but I totally I actually did ironically to this whole theme. Um, my in our high school, Brooklyn Tech, we had majors, so my major was social science, and I was on the football team, and I was very interested in this diverse. Uh, racially kind of made up uh, school, but also these teams and being on the football team. And so I actually uh, did my social science research project as we understood like how to start doing research and, uh, you know, creating a sample size and, and doing questionnaires and all this fun stuff in high school um, about what factors affect commitment to a team. And because uh, I noticed a lot of Asians were not as committed to teams and they were not as participatory in sports. 
um, especially a sport like football, which is, is so far removed from the culture, right? Um, and because the school was, uh, we were very, we were, I think, 40 to 50% Asian, uh, as it was, you had to take a test to get in. It was a very high achieving school. We're, I think this year, in fact, we were ranked third, the, se the second or third best high school in New York State and like in the top 30 in, in the country or something like that. So anyway, um, the point being, <laughs> uh, it was it was an interesting thing uh, of, of, again, looking into the racial kind of components and, and, and investigating that whole concept. But yeah, it was it was a very uh, interesting thing for me to explore and, and understand. And it, it did also bring me a lot of understanding of different cultures. And, and uh, again, in, also in the high school, when I was there, we would have a culture day kind of thing. And I think there was a, a, over 180 cultures represented where you would dress in like your, your whatever mm. traditional garb, if you want to, if, I don't know if that's an offensive term anymore or is, or it was, or whatever garb. Do you guys like the term garb? Is that a thing? I don't know. I think it's a neutral term. Neutral term. Yeah. Gar garb. <laughs> it feels, feels icky in my mouth, garb. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so that was that was my little history, whatever random anecdote about, about some of that stuff. So that's where I'm from, if that nice. answers your question, where I'm really from, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I think that raises an interesting point because like, you know, a lot of people think about like, hey, why should we care about these things? Like, why should we care that other people are being attacked? Like, why should we care about BLM, all these things, and it's really easy to forget how quickly the wheel turns and mm. crushes you instead. And like, there have been, like, in the history of our country, there have been situations like that where waves of immigration bring other types of people in, and mm -hmm. the people there don't like that they're there. And right. so it's good to remember that, like, if you immigrated to the US, like, in the 1900s and you were Irish, you probably were treated the same shitty way and right. also the italians you were treated the same shitty way and to your point the russians during the cold war so it is very interesting at least to me how quickly people forget like you were there your people were there like just I'll, a few years ago wasn't yeah. you know it wasn't I'll, like I'll, hundreds of years ago i'll piggyback off that for for a, a second uh just to kind of keep picking on russian culture um <laughs> to say uh and there are a few of these groups of you know, younger Russian immigrants who have these grandparents that they obviously care about, they love, um, but they're like, again, there's this like r racist thing going on there. And so when BLM became a thing with, with and again, a lot of Russians do like Trump because he's this dictator and he's talking about missile parades. And so, you know, or uh, yeah, so they were like, there's this kind of uh, whatever moth to a flame kind of thing going on there. but. What was interesting is again these uh, these Russian like grandchildren talking to their grandparents and being like, uh, and and them not understanding BLM basically and and being down and and them having to say, hey, you remember why you left Russia? Like you were discriminated against because you were Jewish, and and them being like, yeah, so and they're like, well, that you didn't have opportunities there, right? And they'd be like, yeah, but that like th those are black people. I don't like black. They're they're different from me. And it, it just being this disconnect around, um, again, that racial identity versus like, they're, we're all oppressed. And like, you should be taking the side of the oppressed, right? And like, and this huge disconnect again of, of uh, yeah. It's, so it's an interesting thing that, that, that again, that kind of triggered that thought for me at least. A question I have for you is because Jesse and I pretty frequently talk about when we were growing up, and even that there's still some aspects now, I'm sure, but we desperately wanted to be white and we just were pretty like rejecting of our Asian upbringing and culture. And because you wanted to not be <laughs> the enemy of people, you were rejecting your Russian heritage at the time. I'm curious if now as an adult, you've like re-embraced any more of that culture. No, <laughs> poor Mother uh, Russia. <laughs> yeah, Mother Russia. I mean, yeah, at this point, I'm, I'm removed from, from that concept of it. But I do think, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff that I don't love about the culture. I don't, and I don't associate with it. I feel like, again, like the, the, the concept of your podcast of where are you really from? Yeah, again, I was three years old when I left, so I don't have you know, huge, 
connection to the culture. And again, because I ran away from it as a child uh, in my youth, I, I just, I don't have that like deep rooted connection. My sister is a good example of this whole, that question. She's 10 years older than me. So she had a lot more connection to the culture. She went back and visited. I, I have no interest in even visiting the country. And like, it's, it's like number 72 on my list of, you know, places that I do want to go if I'm going to take time and, and travel. Um, again, there's some level of like, that's where I come from. Like my grandparents, my grandfather fought for Russia in World War II. Um, you know, they, they were they were also Jewish, so they were escaping the Holocaust. And, and that's another whole totally different tangent of like, I don't, the, the whole, whether, whether or not I'm Jewish, that's another conversation. Cause I don't, I, I just grew up like, that's a religion versus it being a culture and being sure. something that's like, oh, my parents were Russian, were Jewish, so I'm Jewish. Um, so that's a whole nother conversation I don't even want to touch on right now. Um, but yeah, to your question. So my sister, she, when she came over, she was in, she was, she had to go to a high school, Lincoln high school, uh, for anyone familiar with Brooklyn, which was a lot more, um, it wasn't as prestigious. You didn't have to take a test to get in. And, and there was a lot more like crime and, and things like that going on. There it was a lot less good of a high school. And um, she very quickly found her Russian folks. And again, like uh, I think dove deeper into that uh, echo chamber or, or bubble, if you will. Um, and they, they're still all friends like all these years later. And she got married to one of the guys in that group. So and, and they're very, again, like Russian culture. Uh, they live in a very Russian community down in Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn. So um, and I'll sh share with this and I've, sh I've touched on it a few times. Again, she's in that kind of racisty BLM thing where I'm like, I don't and I don't think she listens to this. So if you are Dean, I'm happy to talk to you about it. But we got into some political and racial stuff. And I'm just like, again, and she went to the let's agree to disagree. And I'm like, we can't agree to disagree about racism. Like, I just I just can't do that part. Like, it's a pretty big value. Um, so, yeah, obviously, you know, uh, there's still some conversation there. So, yeah, uh, happy to, to dive further down that path if you want. But <laughs> since I'm getting interviewed now, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We that's all right. To our <laughs> I dropped it. It's all right. Totally fine. Totally fine. Um, but yeah, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, maybe hmm. we pan back to where you were trying to transition us to, where I re-hijacked it. For That's all right. It's totally fine. Question. So, yeah, we were talking about Asians and fitness um, as a total sidebar note, I guess, at this point. Um, total change of pace. So I, I, I'll throw the question out to you guys of, of you know, again, culturally um, and, and what your impressions of Asians and fitness are. Again, we, uh, Angela and I met in a CrossFit gym in New York City. Um, so that's kind of where I think some of that comes from. Again, I'm deeply rooted in health and fitness. And I think a lot of folks who do listen to me here are, again, enjoy some, some aspects of that space. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how that fits into culture. And uh, we'll talk about, I'll, I'll say quickly on CrossFit and having run a CrossFit gym in Dubai and seeing the Asian growth uh, a few years behind maybe of the rest of the world. But uh, there definitely was some some taking to the concept of CrossFit and, and uh, I'd love to, again, hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think we wanted to talk about it because you're deeply in this space. Um, I think there are two aspects of it that we were interested in. One is like, um, as it relates to kind of beauty standards, similar to beauty standards, right? Because I think a reason why you don't see that many Asian people in working in fitness or like as the models of fitness or whatever um, is like twofold. On the Asian side, it's like Eastern side. It's because traditionally in the past, like what's considered beautiful for women is like super stick thin and not through exercise. It's like through, you know, starvation and like essentially you have no muscle. It's just like skinny fat. Right. Um, and then for men, even though they, it's a different kind of beauty standard because men are not glorified for like muscular or big kind of physiques necessarily. There's a lot more kind of like, slender or like slim but fit type um type beauty standards so then in the u.s when you try to translate that over it doesn't really fit well because at least speaking as a woman right like um being an asian woman who likes fitness doesn't fit nicely into that concept because then i'm not skinny necessarily because i'm like 
bigger muscular wise and I'm tan because I like being in the sun so I'm not like super pale white which is the other beauty standard and I think it's scary for a lot of Asian women to dive into the idea of like getting super fit because then it doesn't I think it takes away from what they think femininity is um so then they're afraid to dive into it if it's only just for like your own health but definitely not as like a career so I think that's a big aspect of at least for Asian women why they're not like super well represented in the in the fitness space what's your question um Oh, that wasn't a question. I, oh, you're just, I'm okay. just expressing. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you were I didn't know it up. if you were seeing similar things because you've worked in fitness for a long yeah. time, and there, at least as far as I saw, there are no Asian CrossFit coaches or anything. Well, right? like I'll, I'll 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 stop you there, cut you off there, and say, ironically, ish, um, the the one of the main coaches we had in Dubai when I went out to Dubai to run the box. Um, she is half Hong Kongian. I still don't know if that's the right way to say that either, but, uh, she's from Hong Kong and her father was Scottish. So, but she is living in Hong Kong right now. Um, and she is a very, A, she's very good looking. Um, we'll just say that, uh, she, and she, she, no matter how much she works out, she has difficulty putting on a lot of muscle, maybe because of the genetics um of of that kind of asian but she's tall and slender to your point about like that asian beauty center um and so she might be a good person to either have on your show uh or uh she, I, I might circle back and, and have her on mine as well but um she is uh she's always she is trying to break that that stereotype as well of like look at me i'm over here squatting as heavy as i can like i want to get bigger and i and and that's the other part of it too that again uh was the parallel thought I would say going on as you were, you were describing the scenario is again, most people don't understand. Uh, and again, in the fitness space and there is that stereotype or the, the, the fears, but it, it comes back to, you're not going to get bulky. And again, like, uh, I don't know how you feel. I do want to push it back to you a little bit, Angela of saying like, yeah, you, you got a little more, t- uh, darker skin, if you will, uh, just from being out and being more active or whatever, but going away from that, pale standard if you will but um the other part of that being do you feel like you you changed a lot physically like from crossfit like you got you got bulky versus being like uh you know skinny and and lean i mean look i didn't become like an olympic weightlifter (laughs) but i think it totally depends on your body type Mm -hmm. like for me because i'm shorter um i can get bulkier more so than slender um, I think it's harder for my body type to be slender. So yeah, I got big. I mean, my arms are pretty big for like proportional to my <laughs> body right. size. So I think when I was like peak CrossFit going like five days a week, doing paleo, all that stuff, it was like, I, I look pretty big for, <laughs> for my stature, I think. Right. Right. And, and that's the other thing that I was thinking of and, and, um, a, a lot of those beauty standards that we're talking about are from hundreds of years ago and the paleness comes from. Uh, right, and I'm sure you guys know this, but like comes from uh, showing that you don't have to be outside to work, yeah. right? And so therefore you're indoors, therefore you get pale, and that's a beauty standard. Or even going further back to like the Renaissance of these very chubby women in paintings that we see where again, the beauty standard was, hey, if you have enough money that you're able to be fat and you don't need to work, like let's celebrate that. And then eventually that standard went away as well. So um, I don't know if we're ready for the next revolution just yet, um, <laughs> you know, but that I'm actually doing a TED talk and I have a meeting with um, one of my high school guidance counselors who ta- uh, coaches people uh, and he has a podcast called uh, It's About to Go Down, I think is, is what they're called, uh, with his partner, Kathy. And so they coach people on honing in their message to become like a TED talk. And, and so that's something down the line. I bring it up because my concept is redefining fitness and redefining how we're talking about these concepts and when can how can we make it like, hey, that's great that you're a little bulkier than maybe the beauty standard tells us, but at the same time, like, you're healthier. You're able to, and, and again, it's a beauty standard, right? And what's underlying under that, and I don't want to get all like professory or philosophic, too philosophical, but like, what's underlying that is, is that kind of sexual concept to it, right? Of like mating and, and all this. And at the same time, at the end of the day, because you're doing CrossFit five times a week, I bet you were in the best shape of your life and you were the most like your blood work is the best it's ever been. And now again, we're putting 
my concept of money into the long-term retirement plan, right? Like you, you're, you're gonna be healthier when you're 65. You're gonna be more robust. You're gonna be able to have, pardon you know, anyone listening, better sex, right? Like you, you guys did just do an episode about uh, intimacy and everything like that. So I, I feel like you've opened that door already. Um, but yeah, I think that it's changing the conversation. I don't know how it's ever gonna happen on a cultural level, but I feel like, again, like looking at, you know, fitness has become, a, a, you know, it's, it's kind of morphed since the 80s, let's say. It's obviously morphed for a long time, but in the 80s it was that, uh, you know, Jane Fonda, whatever, neon stuff and doing aerobic classes, jazzercise, all that fun stuff. And, and now, you know, now with the pandemic, the big thing was Peloton. And, and again, you got these coaches, you know, yelling at you and everything like that. Again, my hope is, uh, between the work I do, between the conversations I have like these, um, is to talk about redefining fitness of, of, you know, it's looking at, again, is it all right for you to be bulkier if you can go and do stand up paddleboard and then go climb a 14 mile, you know, hike the next day and do all these different things. Um, and, and again, I think that the way the world's opened up, like, I'd like to think that we're get, we're heading there. And again, I think the booty Instagram model is as popular as they are. And again, my, the, the girl, Christine, that I was talking about, the Scottish Hong Kongian one, um, bless you, Jesse, and thank you for the mute on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, she, she loves to point out, again, like there's those booty fitness models versus like what is real fitness and like being able to do 100 burpees faster than you were six months ago is indicative of all these different things. So yeah, I've, I, I, you know, I'm trying to hone this message and I think it becomes very boring and less sexy, but at the same time, in terms of the beauty standards and how that ties into, uh, you know, I don't know what that would take from, from like you're saying, do we need like uh, an Asian Jillian Michaels to be up there, you know, yelling <laughs> at people hey, and that. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so yeah, like Christine, again, I'll, I'll, I'll keep shouting her out cause she's, she would be an awesome person to be on there because again, she's really good looking. Um, and and like and she, you know, she she's always kind of playing around with that concept of like, uh, should I just you know be ass and tits and and like or or can I actually talk about like some real you know like why is squatting important? Why is deadlifting important? So um, it's less sexy, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting side of that whole fitness thing for sure. I'd love to. I could talk about this for hours for sure if you can't tell already, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know um, if there was anything in there that either resonated with either of you guys or or how that might tie into your question. Well, I do have a question because I think, you know, we're, we're coming at it from more like we're Asian Americans, so we can't speak to how Asian people in Asia are portrayed. I'm sure there are many fitness Asians in Asia, but here there are not many Asian Americans in the fitness industry. And one of the questions that I often have is like, how do you find somebody who will coach you not understanding necessarily your body type and like what you need it's very similar to like when i choose a barber like some people don't understand how to cut asian hair and right. you'll come out looking like you'll never come out looking good so you have to like pick carefully and so i'm wondering if you have you know knowledge about how instruction works with people of different races knowing that that race can mean that their body type respond differently to a different exercise regimen? Um, I want to jokingly answer your question by saying I don't see color um, when it comes to, uh, yeah. Body and, type. Body yeah, type. well, right. That's the thing is, is uh, well, I think your question is about like, yeah, coaching Asian specifically versus uh, having that conversation. So like if we were going to work together tomorrow, Jesse, I would I would put put you on the you know put it put the question out there of do you want to have a lean you know type of body type um, there, there's only three body types in all of existence that we know of right there's there's and you can kind of test that if you guys are interested by wrapping your um, thumb and middle finger around your wrist and if they connect and that they just touch you're you're a mesomorph if they overlap then you're on the leaner body type. And if they, I can't see quite what you guys are doing, uh, but if they, if they don't reach, then you are on the, uh, what, I forget the exact terms actually right now, but you're on the, like, you, you, bigger boned. Um, I'm obese. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, you, you have very fat wrists. 
You have very fat lips. <laughs> um, no, but all, all joking aside is like, there's only those three body types in, in all seriousness. And yeah, there is a genetic predisposition to be one of those three body types. And again, we could say, yeah, Angela, your body type is, uh, uh, again, it's, it's thicker than Jesse. Jesse's pretty lean. And again, that might be genetic, that might be lifestyle, that might be a combination of things. Um, and, but yeah, that bone structure isn't gonna change much. Uh, and again, we don't, again, jokingly, we don't really get fat wrists, um, you know? So, so it's, it's a question of that. And then it's coming back to, yeah, like what are your goals with fitness versus again, I only work with people who care about uh, when it comes to my clients and people who actually pay me, people who are actually concerned about their long-term health. And we can talk about blood work and we can talk about lifestyle. And, and again, like we can, the, and this is a line from CrossFit that I'll give them credit for when you chase aesthetics that you guys are kind of talking about. And again, I totally understand it. Uh, but when you chase aesthetics, you rarely catch the aesthetics and it takes a lot more work. And like I said early on jokingly about like, if I didn't love food so much, I'd probably have a six pack and look great based on how much I work out. But I also work out as much as I do because I love food so much. So anyway, that's a whole different conversation. But at the end of the day, uh, coming back to it, if you chase aesthetics, you rarely catch it. But if you chase fitness and this bigger concept of, you're talking about going to CrossFit five days a week, like staying consistent, staying injury free, moving. And again, we could talk about the programming of the CrossFit. Is CrossFit the best thing for you? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you need more cardio based stuff. Maybe you need, you know, and people talk about toning and things like that. At the end of the day, um, you know, we know what helps you improve your lifespan, uh, not your, and your health span. So staying out of the medical system is really what I care about keeping you off medications. And again, you guys are just turned 30, right? So you're just, you're just, uh, again, I, I heard that episode as well. And, Exposed. and uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and again, you're just going to learn as everyone does when they hit 30, that's like the, Ooh, first and you start getting those aches and pains um it's it's it becomes about uh, and again when people talk to me about uh who i want to work with and my avatar for my business uh yeah I, I like i i cut the age off at like 35 that doesn't mean i wouldn't work with either of you by any means but i i say like my target audience is like 35 to 50 because that's the folks that are probably more in that like kind of struggle already uh, and reaching the younger folks like you guys, and I feel very old now saying stuff like that, but um, but yeah, reaching, well, you just have different values in that sense, again, because you might be thinking like, yeah, I don't want to be that bulky, or I want to keep my lean figure, and it's like, well, when can we have a conversation about, again, what does your blood work look like, um, what are your vitamin D levels, like, because you haven't had those struggles per se on, on that side, so yeah, again, I, I, I don't want to go too far down, I, I appreciate where, where you guys are going with the questioning, but I don't want to again uh do my ted talk right now um because it's not it's not ready yet is what i'm saying it's not ready yet <laughs> anyway but but did that answer your question again like i i feel like I, I jumped around a little bit but uh yeah to your question jesse of, of you know how to work with somebody with different i don't think you're gonna have necessarily respond differently again if we start lifting weights you're not gonna like blow up and get bulky per mm -hmm. se but it's having that conversation again with every single client with every single person and having that same conversation with angela might be Hey, you don't want to get as bulky, but at the same time, like, how do you feel about being strong? Are you okay being strong? And like, we know that your body type might lead you to feel bulkier than you want. And we can balance that out with, okay, like we might need to do four cardio sessions to every two strength sessions instead of kind of, you know, maybe the, the opposite of that. Um, and, and just having that conversation, having that long-term vision. Um, and that's where, again, the fitness industry is certainly lacking. And again, that's where I feel like this, this redefining fitness is necessary and hopefully uh that makes some sense and I, I again i ramble and that's why i have my own podcast so i can ramble and <laughs> f it f it <laughs> i don't know Love it. question that answer? answered yes question okay. answered <laughs> okay that was that was it uh, anyway uh, me being the host here i feel like uh yeah if you guys have other questions i'm happy to uh, as we open that topic up, do you have follow-up questions on the fitness side? And, and, and yeah, totally to your point, I do want to say it's, it's that representation in like media again, like when are we going to see even a person? And I see this stuff for physical therapists all the time, uh, how physical therapists are portrayed in media as well. So that's like the people who look like me, so to speak. Um, we're in like, they were in Cobra, Cobra Kai recently. And that guy was like a, a hippie dippy physical therapist. Like you're let, let, let's have positive vibes, bro. And it's like, yeah, that's not physical therapy, but anyway, um, the point being, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a good takeaway to say, 
yeah, I think we can continue to have that representation and, and in the fitness industry specifically, um, I'd be, it'd be super interesting to see uh, or talk about, yeah, like in actual Asia, how is that uh, fitness trend like emerging? Was there a similar Peloton? Is it about suffering? Is it about like, you know, work, 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 work? Or is it, is it more, can we have like a, a, a more interesting conversation? And again, there's that, like, uh, like you said, I didn't, be, I, and you even said it with that little disdain, Angela, of like, I didn't become like a weightlifter, um, but, but there is that like Chinese weightlifting yeah. thing. I don't know, maybe there's something there. Um, if we're gonna psychoanalyze the whole thing, but anyway, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to over, overstep in any bounds or, or get too psychoanalytical either. That's my wife's, that's my wife's apartment. That's her thing. <laughs> She's she's the PhD in psychology. Oh so, wow! Fancy. We're yeah. With it, with her specialty is in. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar, is is in sexual uh, sex and relationship therapy. Mm, very so, interesting. I'll, See that on your Instagram. Yeah, always <laughs> always raises some eyebrows. I'm like oh, and then sa save your questions. Save your questions. You can ask them separately. Don't ask them here. <laughs> Everyone's always like, what's the weirdest thing you've dealt with? And she, it's always the same questions. Everyone wants to know. And anyway, um, but yeah, back to you guys. So <laughs> um, I think we covered a lot of stuff and I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, if you have any other, did anything else jump out to you guys? Again, we, we co I, I took over a little bit based on you guys kind of questioning me. So uh, did, did anything stand out to you? Was there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to cover? No. Not that I can think of, no. Yeah. Awesome. Well, what can we expect from uh, the, your podcast coming back to that of, you know, anything exciting coming up that you wanted to plug or promote? Yeah. Well, just that we are now into our season four. So we just kicked that off a few episodes ago, but we have new episodes every Friday through, I think, September. So just find us wherever you listen to podcasts, but where are you really from? And uh, yeah, look forward to hopefully having some of you join our, join our listeners. <laughs> awesome. Jesse, any closing thoughts? Um, no, this has been a great conversation. Angela, plug the podcast, but follow <laughs> us on the socials. Oh, where you are you from it. pod? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you guys have any like fitness thoughts, you can send them our way if you want as well. Although neither of us are fitness folks. Yeah, I'll take them. And if, if they're, if they're Asian related or, or racially ambiguous, we can we can go down that path there. There you go. Yes. Come um, to us with the thought catalog stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, uh, yeah, very exciting stuff. Appreciate you being on. Uh, again, hopefully we didn't offend too many people. Um, me specifically, as, again, very difficult being. And, and I, I say this jokingly. I don't know if I can should keep saying that joke. But, uh, yeah, very difficult being a straight white male in this modern, modern world. Um, I appreciate a little bit of laugh there. Thank you. Hopefully, again, anyone listening knows I'm joking. And, and I have the best of intentions, I swear. Don't cancel me, people. Um, I'm not even a thing. I don't know if I can be canceled if I'm not even, like, a thing. You know what I mean? I don't know. Anyway, uh, those are my closing thoughts. Lexi needs a walk, so we might go do that. Oh, this is all. If you guys didn't notice, the cameras are backwards, so it takes a while to uh, figure out what's happening there. Anyway, all right. Well, again, signing off. Uh, if you guys made it this far, I really appreciate it. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, uh, leave a rating, comment, all that good stuff wherever you listen to your podcast. Go check these guys out. But where are you really from? Podcast. Um, and also on the socials for sure. We're going to sign off. I hope the conversation got you guys 1% better and we got to get in touch with Kirstine. I'll say that out there. Very good looking girl.